Hello, wonderful people. I'm back. I'm back after two weeks. It is so good to be here. Um, hello, everyone. I hope everyone's having a good week. Uh, Adam, I hear you're not, so we're going to squash that right now, huh? Let's put an end to this. We're going to put an end to a bad streak. We're going to get something good going. Um, I, have a, I have a strategy. Um, and I, I'm, this is not something I say frivolously. Uh, I spent a long time with uh, clinical depression, and uh, one of the things that sort of helped me on the tail end of it, as I was starting to sort of, as I was getting some solid help and getting better, uh, one of the things that keeps me healthy is, uh, as I am, as I'm looking at my life and thinking, you know, this ain't how I want it to be. Uh, thankfulness goes a long way. So I take uh, take some time. The shower is a great place to do this. Um, and, uh, just, uh, <laughs> uh, pick something to be thankful about and, and, and think about those things. It's important to remember those things that are going well. It can help us to focus in on, on, uh, our strengths. It can help us to sort of readjust our mindset towards these certain things. It's not going to force anything in your week to go better, but it can definitely change your outlook on it. So I want to hear one thing that people are thankful about tonight. Everyone, one thing, ready, go. I'm thankful to be back here. Uh, I was away for a while, as you are very well aware. Um, it was, uh, honestly, it was a pretty short trip. It was to officiate a wedding, and it was pretty cool. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, wedding officiating, uh, I th by the way, thank you very much to the bride and groom. Um, I try to keep my, my stream life and my real life kind of separate, so... Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to mention their names, but I really appreciate them letting me a part of letting me be a part of their special day. Um, and uh, whoa! Suddenly, uh, lots of stuff going into chat. I don't know what's going on there. But uh, thank you very much for letting me be a part of the day. Uh, it kind of fits my skill set, and I would love to do more of it. So hey, if you know anybody who's getting married in the SoCal area, go ahead and let them know to DM me. I guess get in the Discord. I don't know. Uh, speaking of. Uh, by the way, Luke, Kathy, Carrie, Jeff, Kate, Adam, Michelle, Ashlyn, Assad, how's everybody doing? How's everybody doing? Thanks all for being here. Kate, hello. Um, Luke, I appreciate it. Kathy, hello. Hello, South Carolina. Thankful to be in university, says Assad. Excellent. That's a good one. Wonderful. All right. Um, but yeah, if I, I, I would definitely do more officiating in the future. Um, we had a long Skype call about it initially, and then um, I wrote the, the whole uh, ceremony, and it seems like it went over really well. Uh, people were... Uh, a couple of people came up and told me I, they were impressed. We do have two loops today. I think we've got two carries too, although it's hard to tell. <laughs> Assad, it is a little weird watching it live for the first time, huh? It's one of the great things about being in chat. It's one of the reasons I do this live and not uh, like editing and re you know recording and editing because it would be a lot cleaner. There would be a lot less, but uh, it wouldn't give me a chance to talk to y'all. And I like this. I like this system. Michelle, excellent. I am very, very glad to hear it. 
yeah, it's it, it can be scary not to know sort of what pops things up, but uh, I'm very thankful to hear that uh, your husband is recovered. Fantastic. <laughs> We've got a name change. Ash. Ash going by Wicked Witch now. <laughs> Jeff, why are you terrified? Tell me about this. Moogle May. That's a new name I haven't heard in here before. Hello. All right. I think we should get started, huh? We've got a decent bit of material to get through tonight, which is going to be, I think, good for y'all. Um, one final note. No, we'll get to it. We'll get to it in the middle. Just uh, exciting, exciting numbers on the the subscriber front. We we're almost we've, we're almost at a milestone, a very interesting milestone. Jared, how's it going? Um, so. Last time on Sidecar Stories, we had, I believe, just the one chapter. I think we read just chapter 12. Uh, chapter 12 being, of course, titled Professor Umbridge. We met Professor Umbridge. She doesn't seem awesome, huh? She doesn't seem like she's going to be a, a favorite, but she's kind of an unknown entity. Uh, at least to those of us who uh, haven't read this before. Now, chapter 12. We meet Professor Umbridge. Um, the school year is starting. We've got Quidditch tryouts coming up. It's got some, uh, some, you know, uh, some some tension here at the school. Um, I believe it happened the chapter prior, but uh, we hear from Professor Dumbledore. Um, he he's not saying quite as much about um, Voldemort now. We're not sure why altogether, but he's been pretty separated from. Harry since the incident uh, with Voldemort. He doesn't seem to be interacting with Harry or want to interact with Harry. He won't really, won't even meet Harry's eye. Um, and Harry brings this up, and not not this specifically, but brings up Voldemort um, in class, specifically Umbridge's class, because she seems like she's trying to take this class, this Defense Against the Dark Arts class. It seems like an odd direction. The course aims are to understand the principles underlying defensive magic, to learn to recognize situations in which defensive magic can legally be used, and to place the use of defensive magic in a context for pra practical use. Um, they're not going to use their wands at all, though. She says they're not even going to be casting the spells until the final. Uh, she insists that just understanding the theory well enough, you know, if you study your theory well enough, then you'll, you'll be able to cast the spell just fine during the final. Um... Excuse me? They're not ever going to practice? They're not ever going to, uh, you know, have a chance to, to actually practice these spells? Uh, that throws Hermione off. That throws off some other people in class. And Harry raises his hand and brings up that uh, if they're not actually going to be using defensive magic and actually learning it in a practical sense, how are they going to be prepared for the real world? Um... And although there's some very, uh, very gross dialogue from her about how this isn't the real world, this is school. The end game of this conversation with Umbridge is that Harry brings up Voldemort. Uh, Umbridge insists that, uh, to the whole class, that there have been some dangerous people. You can read into there, Harry Dumbledore. Talking about uh, the return of a certain dark wizard and the ministry assures you that this is not the case, Voldemort is not back, and thereby you will not need to know any defense against the dark arts, because the dark arts 
have been essentially eradicated. We, of course, know this isn't true. So, there's our summary. Um, we are going to be reading two chapters tonight. So, let's jump into it, huh? <laughs> Kate. Kate's this evil Professor Edna. Actually, you know what? I don't need to read all these on on the... Because uh, the, they're up on screen now. I think I still will read them if I'm going to be responding to them. Because I know some people don't like to watch the screen. I don't either. I When I'm listening to stuff like this, I typically just hit play and then stick my phone in my pocket. Okay. All right. So before we move on, Ash, how do you want to be known? Wicked? Witch? Wicked Witch? Alphaba? What do you like? Let me know. All right. Let's get started. Thank you all so much for being here. Let's do this. Chapter 13, Detention with Dolores. Dinner in the Great Hall that night was not a pleasant experience for Harry. The news about his shouting match with Umbridge had traveled exceptionally fast, even by Hogwarts standards. He heard whispers all around him as he sat eating between Ron and Hermione. The funny thing was that none of the whispers seemed to mind him overhearing what they were saying about him. On the contrary, it was as though they were hoping he would get angry and start shouting again, so they could hear his story firsthand. He says he saw Cedric Diggory murdered. He reckons he dueled with you-know-who. Come off it. Who does he think he's kidding? Please! What I don't get, said Harry through clenched teeth, laying down his knife and fork, his hands were shaking too much to hold them steady, is why they all believed the story two months ago when Dumbledore told them. The thing is, Harry, I'm not sure that they did, said Hermione grimly. Let's get out of here. She slammed down her own knife and fork. Ron looked longingly at his half-finished apple pie, but followed suit. People stared at them all the way out of the hall. "'What do you mean you're not sure that they believed Dumbledore?' Harry asked Hermione when they had reached the first floor landing. "'Look, you don't understand what it was like after it happened,' said Hermione quietly. "'You arrived back in the middle of the lawn, clutching Cedric's dead body. None of us saw what happened in the maze, we just had Dumbledore's word for it that you-know-who had come back and killed Cedric and fought you.' "'Which is the truth?' said Harry loudly. "'I know it is, Harry, so will you please stop biting my head off?' said Hermione wearily. "'It's just that before the truth could sink in, everyone went home for the summer where they spent two months reading about how you're a nutcase and Dumbledore's going senile!' Rain pounded on the window panes as they strode along the empty corridors back to Gryffindor Tower. Harry felt as though his first day had lasted a week, but... He still had a mountain of homework to do before bed. A dull, pounding pain was developing over his right eye. He glanced out of a rain-washed window at the dark grounds as they turned into the fat lady's corridor. There was still no light in Hagrid's cabin. Mimbulus Mimbletonia, said Hermione, before the fat lady could ask. The portrait swung open to reveal the hole behind it, and the three of them scrambled through it. The common room was almost empty. Nearly everyone was still down at dinner. 
Crookshanks was uncoiling himself from an armchair, and he trotted out to meet them, purring loudly, and when Harry, Ron, and Hermione took their favorite chairs at the fireside, he leapt lightly under Hermione's lap and curled up there like a furry ginger cushion. Harry gazed into the flames, feeling drained and exhausted. How can Dumbledore have let this happen? Hermione cried suddenly, making Harry and Ron jump. Crookshanks leapt off her, looking affronted. She pounded the arms of her chair in fury so that bits of stuffing leaked out of the holes. How can we let that horrible woman teach us? And in our OWL gear, too! Well, we've never had great defense against the Dark Arts teachers, have we? said Harry. You know what it's like? Hagrid told us nobody wants the job. They say it's jinxed. Yes, but to employ someone who's actually refusing to teach us magic. What's Dumbledore playing at? And she's trying to get people to spy for her, said Ron darkly. You remember what she said when she wanted us to come and tell her if we heard anyone saying that you know who is back. Of course she's here to spy on us all, isn't that obvious? Why else would Fudge have wanted her to come? snapped Hermione. Don't start arguing again, said Harry wearily, as Ron opened his mouth to retaliate. Can't we just... let's just do that homework and get it out of the way. They collected their school bags from a corner and returned to the chairs by the fire. People were coming back from dinner now. Harry kept his face averted from the portrait hole, but could still sense the stares he was attracting. Uh, shall we do Snape stuff first? said Ron, dipping his quill into his ink. The properties of Moonstone and its uses in potion making, he muttered, writing the words across the top of his parchment as he spoke them. The He underlined the title, then looked up expectantly at Hermione. So, what are the properties of Moonstone in potion-making? But Hermione was not listening. She was squinting over into the far corner of the room where Fred George and Lee Jordan were now sitting at the center of a knot of innocent-looking first-years, all of whom were chewing something that seemed to have come out of a large paper bag that Fred was holding. No, no, I'm sorry, they've gone too far, she said, standing up and looking positively furious. Come on, Ron. Uh... What? said Ron, plainly playing for time. No, oh, come on, Hermione, we can't tell them off for giving out sweets. You know perfectly well that those are bits of nosebleed nougat or puking pastilles or... Fainting fancies, Harry suggested quietly. One by one, as though hit over the head with an invisible mallet, the first years were slumping unconscious in their seats. Some slid right out onto the floor, others merely hung over the arms of their chairs, their tongues lolling out. Most of the people watching were laughing. Hermione, however, squared her shoulders and marched directly over to where Fred and George now stood with clipboards, closely observing the unconscious first years. Ron rose halfway out of his chair, hovered uncertainly for a moment or two, then muttered to Harry, "'She's... she's got it under control.' before sinking as low in his chair as his lanky frame permitted. "'That is enough!' Hermione said forth forcefully to Fred and George, both of whom looked up in mild surprise. "'Yeah, you're right,' said George, nodding. "'This dose does look strong enough, doesn't it?' 
I told you this morning, you can't test out your rubbish on students. <laughs> We're paying them, said Fred indignantly. I don't care. It could be dangerous. Rubbish, said Fred. Calm down, Hermione. They're fine, said Lee reassuringly as he walked from first year to first year, inserting purple sweets into their open mouths. Yeah, look, they're coming round now, said George. A few of the first years were indeed stirring. Several looked so shocked to find themselves lying on the floor or dangling off their chairs that Harry was sure Fred and George had not warned them what the sweets were going to do. You feeling all right? said George kindly to a small, dark-haired girl lying at his feet. I... I think so, she said shakily. Excellent! said Fred happily, but the next second Hermione had snatched both his clipboard and the paper bag of fainting fancies from his hands. It is not excellent! Of course it is. They're alive, aren't they? said Fred angrily. You can't do this! What if you made one of them really ill? We're not going to make them ill. We've already tested them all in ourselves. This is just to see if everyone reacts the same way. If you don't stop, I'm going to... Put us in detention said Fred, in an I'd-like-to-see-you-try-it voice. <laughs> Make us write lines, said George, smirking. Onlookers all over the room were laughing. Hermione drew herself up to her full height. Her eyes were narrowed and her bushy hair seemed to crackle with electricity. No, she said, her voice quivering with anger. But I will write to your mother. You wouldn't said George, horrified, taking a step back from her. Oh, yes, I would, said Hermione grimly. I can't stop you eating the stupid things yourselves, but you're not going to give them to first years. Fred and George looked thunderstruck. It was clear that, as far as they were concerned, Hermione's threat was way below the belt. With a last threatening look at them, she thrust Fred's clipboard and the bag of fancies back into his arms and stalked back to her chair by the fire. Ron was now so low in his seat that his nose was roughly level with his knees. Thank you for your support, Ron, Hermione said acidly. You handled it just fine by yourself, Ron mumbled. Hermione stared down at her blank piece of parchment for a few seconds, then said edgily, oh, It's no good. I can't concentrate now. I'm going to bed. She wrenched her bag open. Harry thought she was about to put her books away, but instead she pulled out two misshapen woolly objects, placed them carefully on a table by the fireplace, covered them with a few screwed-up bits of parchment and a broken quill, and stood back to admire the effect. "'What in the name of Merlin are you doing?' said Ron, watching her as though fearful for her sanity. "'The hats for the house elves,' she said briskly, now stuffing her books back into her bag." I did them over the summer. I'm a really slow knitter without magic, but now that I'm back at school, I should be able to make lots more. You're... You're leaving out hats for the house elves, said Ron slowly, and then you're covering them up with rubbish first. Yes, said Hermione defiantly, swinging her bag onto her back. That's not on, said Ron angrily. You're trying to trick them into picking up the hats. You're setting them free when they might not want to be free. Of course they want to be free, said Hermione at once, though her face was turning pink. 
Don't you dare touch those hats, Ron! She turned on her heel and left. Ron waited until she had disappeared through the door to the girls' dormitories, then cleared the rubbish off of the woolly hats. They should at least see what they're picking up, he said firmly. Anyway, he rolled up the parchment on which he had written the title of Snape's essay. No point trying to finish this now. I can't do it without Hermione. I haven't got a single clue what you're supposed to do with moonstones. Have you? Harry shook his head, noticing as he did so that the ache in his right temple was getting worse. He thought of the long essay on giant wars and the pain stabbed at him sharply, knowing perfectly well that when morning came he would not regret finishing his homework. Oh, knowing perfectly well that when morning came he would regret not finishing his homework that night, he piled his books back into his bag. I'm going to bed too. He passed Seamus on the way to the door leading to the dormitories, but did not look up at him. Harry had a fleeting impression that Seamus had opened his mouth to speak, but he sped up and reached the soothing piece of the stone spiral staircase without having to endure any more provocation. The following day dawned just as leaden and rainy as the previous one. Hagrid was still absent from the staff at from the staff table at breakfast. But on the plus side, no Snape today," said Ron bracingly. Hermione yawned widely and poured herself some coffee. She looked mildly pleased about something, and when Ron asked her what she seemed to be so happy about, she simply said, "The hats have gone. Seems the house elves do want freedom after all." I wouldn't bet on it. Ron told her cuttingly. They might not count as claws. They didn't look like anything to me, more like woolly bladders. Harry did not. Hermione did not speak to him all morning. Double Charms was succeeded by Double Transfiguration. Professor Flitwick and Professor McGonagall both spent the first 15 minutes of their lessons lecturing the class on the importance of OWLs. What you must remember said the little Professor Flitwick squeakily, perched as ever on a pile of books so he could see them over the top of his desk, is that these examinations may influence your futures for many years to come. If you have not already given serious thought to your careers, now is the time to do so. And in the meantime, I'm afraid, we shall be working harder than ever to ensure that you all do yourselves justice. They then spent over an hour reviewing summoning charms, which, according to Professor Flitwick, were bound to come up on their OWL, and he rounded off the lesson by setting them the largest ever amount of Charm's homework. It was the same, if not worse, in Transfiguration. You cannot pass an OWL, said Professor McGonagall grimly, without serious application, practice, and study. I see no reason why everyone in this class should not receive an OWL in Transfiguration as long as they put in the work. Neville made a sad little disbelieving noise. Yes, you too, Longbottom, said Professor McGonagall. There is nothing wrong with your work except lack of confidence. So today we are starting vanishing spells. These are easier than conjuring spells, which you would not usually attempt until NEWT level, but they are still... Among the most difficult magic you'll be tested on in your OWL. You were quite right, 
Harry found the vanishing spell horribly difficult. By the end of a double period, neither he nor Ron had managed to vanish the snails on which they were practicing, though Ron said hopefully he thought his looked a bit paler. Hermione, on the other hand, successfully vanished her snail on the third attempt, earning her a ten-point bonus for Gryffindor from Professor McGonagall. She was the only person not given homework. Everyone else was told to practice the spell overnight, ready for a fresh attempt on their snails the following afternoon. Now panicking slightly about the amount of homework they had to do, Harry and Ron spent their lunch hour in the library, looking up the uses of moonstones in potion-making. Still angry about Ron's slur on her woolly hats, Hermione did not join them. By the time they reached Care of Magical Creatures that afternoon, Harry's head was aching again. The day had become cool and breezy. As they walked down the sloping lawns toward Hagrid's cabin on the edge of the Forbidden Forest, they felt the occasional drop of rain on their faces. Professor Grubbly Plank stood waiting for the class some ten yards from Hagrid's front door, a long trestle table in front of it, laden with twigs. As Harry and Ron reached her, a loud shout of laughter sounded behind them. Turning, she saw... As Harry and Ron reached her, a loud shout of laughter sounded behind them. Turning, they saw Draco Malfoy striding toward them, surrounded by his usual gang of Slytherin cronies. He had clearly just said something highly amusing, because Crabbe, Goyle, Pansy Parkinson, and the rest continued to snigger heartily as they gathered around the trestle table and, judging by the way they all kept looking over at Harry, he was able to guess the subject of the joke without too much difficulty. Oh boy, what was Professor Grubbly Plank's voice? Oh, I remember. Everyone here? Barked Professor Grubbly Plank once all the Slytherins and Gryffindors had arrived. Let's crack on then. Who can tell me what these things are called? She indicated the heap of twigs in front of her. Hermione's hand shot into the air. Behind her back, Malfoy did a buck-toothed imitation of her jumping up and down in eagerness to answer a question. Pansy Parkinson gave a shriek of laughter that almost turned into a scream as the twigs on the table leapt into the air and revealed themselves to be what looked like tiny pixie-ish creatures made out of wood, each with knobbly brown arms and legs, two twig-like fingers at the end of each hand, and a funny, flat, bark-like face in which a pair of beetle-brown eyes glittered. "'Ooh!' said Parvati and Lavender, thoroughly irritating Harry. Anyone would have thought that Hagrid had never shown them impressive creatures. Mm, admittedly, the flobberworms had been a bit dull, but the salamanders and hippogriffs had been interesting enough, and the blast-ended scroots perhaps too much so. "'Kindly keep your voices down, girls!' said Professor Grubbly Plank sharply, gathering a, scattering a handful of what looked like brown rice among the stick creatures, who immediately fell upon the food. So, anyone knows the names of these creatures, Miss Granger? Bowtruckles, said Hermione. They're tree guardians. Usually live in wand trees. Five points for Gryffindor, said Professor Grubbly Plank. Yes, these are Botruckles, and as Miss Granger rightly says, they generally live in trees whose wood is of wand quality. And you know what they want to eat. Wood lice, said Hermione promptly, which explained why what Harry had taken to be grains of rice were now moving. But fairy eggs, if they can get them, 
Good go. Take another five points. So whenever you need leaves or wood from a tree in which a botok lodges, it is wise to leave a gift of wood lice ready to distract or placate it. They may not look dangerous, but if angered, they will try to gouge out human eyes with their fingers, which, as you can see, are very sharp and not at all desirable to have near eyeballs. So, if you would like to gather a bit closer, take a few wood lice and a bow tackle. I have enough here for one between three. You can study them more closely. I want a sketch from each of you with all the body parts labeled by the end of the lesson. The class surged forward around the trestle table. Harry deliberately circled around the back so that he ended up right next to Professor Grubbly Plank. Where's Hagrid? he asked her, while everyone else was choosing bow truckles. Never you mind, said Professor Grubbly Plank repressively, which had been her attitude last time Hagrid had failed to turn up for class two. Smirking all over his pointed face, Draco Malfoy leaned across Harry and seized the largest bow truckle. Maybe. Mm, that's not quite Malfoy. Maybe, said Malfoy in an undertone, so that only Harry could hear him. The great stupid oaf has gotten himself badly injured. Maybe you will if you don't shut up, said Harry out of the side of his mouth. Maybe he's been messing with stuff that's too big for him, if you get my drift. Malfoy walked away, smirking over his shoulder at Harry, who suddenly felt sick. Did Malfoy know something? His father was a Death Eater, after all. What if he had information about Hagrid's fate that had not yet reached the ears of the Order? He hurried back around the table to Ron and Hermione, who were squatting in the grass some distance away and attempting to persuade a bow truckle to remain still long enough for them to draw it. Harry pulled out parchment and quill, crouched down beside the others, and related in a whisper what Malfoy had just said. Dumbledore would know if something had happened to Hagrid, said Hermione at once. It's just playing into Malfoy's hands to look worried. It tells him that we don't know exactly what's going on. We've got to ignore him, Harry. Here, hold the bow truckle for a moment, just so I can draw its face. Yes, came Malfoy's clear drawl from the group nearest them. Father was talking to the minister just a couple of days ago, you know, and it sounds as though the ministry's really determined to crack down on substandard teaching in this place. So, even if that overgrown moron does show up again, he'll probably just get sent packing anyway. Ouch! Harry had gripped the bow truckle so hard it had almost snapped, and it had taken just as great a retaliatory swipe at his hand with its sharp fingers leaving two long, deep cuts there. Harry dropped it. Crab and Goyle, who had already been guffawing at the idea of Hagrid being sacked, laughed still harder as the bow truckle set off at full tilt toward the forest. A little moving stick man soon swallowed up among the tree roots. When the bell echoed distantly over the grounds, Harry rolled up his blood-stained bow truckle picture and marched off toward Herbology with his hand wrapped in Hermione's handkerchief and Malfoy's derisive laughter still ringing in his ears. If he calls Hagrid a moron one more time, said Harry through gritted teeth. Harry, don't go picking a row with Malfoy. Don't forget he's a prefect now. He could make life very difficult for you. 
Oh, wow, I wonder what it would be like to have a difficult life, said Harry sarcastically. Ron laughed, but Hermione frowned. Together, they traipsed across the vegetable patch. The sky still appeared unable to make up its mind whether or not it wanted to rain. I just wish Hagrid would hurry up and come back, that's all, said Harry in a low voice as they reached the greenhouses. And don't say that grubbly plank woman is a better teacher, he added threateningly. I wasn't going to, said Hermione calmly. Because she'll never be as good as Hagrid, said Harry firmly, fully aware that he had just experienced an exemplary care of magical creatures lesson and was thoroughly annoyed about it. The door of the nearest greenhouses opened, and some fourth-year students spilled out of it, including Ginny. Hi, she said brightly as she passed. A few seconds later, Una Lovegood emerged, trailing behind the rest of the class, a smudge of earth on her nose and her hair tied in a knot at the top of her head. When she saw Harry, her prominent eyes seemed to bulge excitedly, and she made a beeline straight for him. Many of his classmates turned curiously to watch. Luna took a great breath, and then said, without so much as a preliminary hello, I believe he who must not be named is back, and I believe you fought him and escaped from him. Uh, right, said Harry awkwardly. Luna was wearing what looked like a pair of orange radishes for earrings, a fact that Parvati and Lavender seemed to have noticed, as they were both giggling and pointing at her earlobes. You can laugh, Luna said, her voice rising, apparently under the impression that Pravati and Lavender were laughing at what she had said, rather than what she was wearing. But people used to believe that there were no such things as blivering humdingers, or the crumplehorn snorkack. Well, they were right, weren't they? said Hermione impatiently. There aren't any such things as the blivering humdinger or the crumplehorn snorkack. Luna gave her a withering look and flounced away radishes swinging madly. Parvati and Lavender were not the only ones hooting with laughter now. Do you mind not offending the only people who believe me? Harry asked Hermione as they made their way into class. Oh, for heaven's sake, Harry, you can do better than her, said Hermione. Ginny's told me all about her. Apparently she'll only believe things as long as there's no proof at all. Well, I wouldn't expect anything else from someone whose father owns the Quibbler. Harry thought of the sinister winged horses he had seen the night he had arrived, and how Luna had said she could see them too. His spirits sank slightly. Had she been lying? But before he could devote much thought to the matter, Ernie McMillan stepped up to him. Oh, do I have an Ernie McMillan voice? Eesh. I'll have to check my spreadsheet. <laughs> I want you to know, Potter, he said in a loud, carrying voice. Oh, that's right. Okay, no, I do have one. Oh, boy, I gotta dig it out of the, 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 the archives, though. I want you to know, Potter, he said in a loud, carrying voice, that it's not only the weirdos who support you. I personally believe you 100%. My family have always stood firm behind Dumbledore, and so do I. Oh, uh, thanks very much, Ernie, said Harry, taken back, but pleased. Ernie might be pompous on occasions like this, but Harry was in a mood to deeply appreciate a vote from, of confidence from somebody who did not have radishes dangling from their ears. 
Ernie's words had certainly wiped the smile from Lavender Brown's face as he turned to Dr. Ron and Hermione. And Harry caught Seamus' expression, which looked both confused and defiant. To nobody's surprise, Professor Sprout started their lesson by lecturing them about the importance of OWLs. Harry wished all the teachers would stop doing this. He was starting to get an anxious, twisted feeling in his stomach every time he remembered how much homework he had to do. A feeling that worsened dramatically when Professor Sprout gave them yet another essay at the end of class. Tired and smelling strongly of dragon dung, Professor Sprout's preferred type of fertilizer, the Gryffindors trooped back up to the castle an hour and a half later. None of them talking very much. It had been a very long day. As Harry was starving, and he had his first attempt... Ooh, boy. <laughs> Pablo, hey, how's it going? As Harry was starving, and he had his first detention with Umbridge at five o'clock, he headed straight for dinner without dropping off his bag in Gryffindor Tower, so that he could bolt something down before facing whatever she had in store for him. He had barely reached the entrance of the Great Hall, however, when a loud and angry voice yelled, Oi, Potter! What now? he muttered wearily, turning to face Angelina Johnson, who looked as though she were in a towering temper. I'll tell you what now, she said, marching straight up to him and poking him hard in the chest with her finger. How come you've landed yourself in detention for f five o'clock on Friday? What? said Harry. Why? Oh, yeah, keep a tryout. Oh, now he remembers, snarled Angelina. Didn't I tell you I want you to do a tryout with the whole team? Find out someone who fitted with everyone. Didn't I tell you I booked a pitch specifically and now you've gone and decided not to be there? I didn't decide not to be there, said Harry, stung by the injustice of these words. I got detention from that Umbridge woman just because I told her that you know who is back. Well, you can just go straight to her and ask to get Friday off, said Angelina fiercely. And I don't care how you do it, just tell her that you know who is a figment of your imagination if you like. Just make sure that you're there. She turned on her heel and stormed away. Thank you very much, Pablo. Glad to have you here. Thank you so very much. You know what? Harry said to Ron and Hermione as they entered the Great Hall. I think we'd better check with Mayor United whether Oliver Wood's been killed during a training session because Angelina seems to be channeling his spirit. What you reckon the odds are of Umbridge letting you off on Friday? said Ron skeptically as they sat down to the Gryffindor table. Less than zero, said Harry glumly, tipping lamb chops onto his plate and starting to eat. Uh, better try though, hadn't I? I'll offer to do two more detentions or something, I don't know. She swallowed a mouthful of... He swallowed a mouthful of potato and added, I hope she doesn't keep me for too long this evening. You realize we've got three essays to write. We've got to practice vanishing spells for McGonagall, work out a counter charm for Flitwick, finish the bow chuckle drawing, and start that stupid dream diary for Trelawney. Ron moaned and for some reason glanced up at the ceiling. And it looks like it's going to rain. What's that got to do with our homework? Said Hermione, her eyebrows raised. Nothing, said Ron at once, his ears reddening. At five to five, 
Harry bade the other two goodbye and set off for Umbridge's office on the third floor. When he knocked on the door, she called, Come in, in a sugary voice. <laughs> he entered cautiously, looking around. He had known this office under three of its previous occupants. In the days of Gilderoy Lockhart, it had been plastered with beaming portraits of himself. When Lupin had occupied it, it was likely you would meet some fascinating dark creature in a cage or tank if you came in to call. In the Impostor Moody's days, it had been packed with various instruments and artifacts for the detection of wrongdoing and concealment. Now, however, it looked totally unrecognizable. The surfaces had all been draped in lacy covers and cloths. There were several vases full of dried flowers, each one resembling... Oh, excuse me. Each one residing on its own doily, and on one of the walls was a collection of ornamental plates, each decorated with a large technicolor kitten wearing a different bow around its neck. These were so foul that Harry stared at them, transfixed, until Professor Umbridge spoke again. Good evening, Mr. Potter. Harry started and looked around. He had not noticed her at first because she was wearing a luridly flowered set of robes that blended only too well with the tablecloth on the desk behind her. Evening, Professor Umbridge, Harry said stiffly. Well, sit down she said, pointing toward a small table draped in lace, beside which she had drawn up a straight-backed chair. A piece of blank parchment lay on the table, apparently waiting for him. Uh, said Harry, without moving. Professor Umbridge, um, before we start, I, I wanted to ask you a, a favor. Her bulging eyes narrowed. Oh... Yes? Yep, Edna's back. Well, I'm... I'm in the Gryffindor Quidditch team, and I was supposed to be at the tryouts for the new Keeper at five o'clock on Friday, and I was... was wondering whether I could skip detention that night and do it... do it another night... instead. He knew, long before he reached the end of his sentence, that it was no good. Oh, no said Umbridge, smiling so widely she looked as though she had just swallowed a particularly juicy fly. Oh, no, no, no. This is your punishment for spreading nasty, evil, attention-seeking stories, Mr. Potter. And punishments certainly cannot be adjusted to suit the guilty one's convenience. Now you'll come here at five o'clock tomorrow, and the next day and on Friday, too? And you will do your detentions as planned. I think it... Rather good that you are missing something that you really want to do. It ought to reinforce the lesson I am trying to teach you. Harry felt the blood surge to his head and heard a thumping noise in his ears. So he told evil, nasty, attention-seeking stories, did he? She was watching him with her head slightly to one side still smiling widely as though she knew exactly what he was thinking and was waiting to see whether he would start shouting again. With a massive effort, Harry looked away from her, dropped his school bag beside the straight-backed chair, and sat down. There, said Umbridge sweetly. We're getting better at controlling our temper already, aren't we? Now you're going to do some lines for me, Mr. Potter. No, not with your quill. 
she added, as Harry bent down to open his bag. You're going to be using a rather special one of mine. Here you are. She handed him a long, thin, black quill with an unusually sharp point. I want you to write, I must not tell lies, she told him softly. How many times? Harry asked with a credible imitation of politeness. Oh, as long as it takes for the message to sink in, said Umbridge sweetly. Off you go. She moved over to her desk, sat down and bent over a stack of parchment that looked like essays for marking. Harry raised the sharp black quill, then realized what was missing. You haven't given me any ink, he said. Oh, you won't need ink, said Professor Umbridge, with the merest suggestion of a laugh in her voice. Harry placed the point of the parchment on the paper and wrote, I must not tell lies. Harry let out a gasp of pain. The words had appeared on the parchment in what appeared to be shining red ink. At the same time, the words had appeared on the back of Harry's hand cut into his skin as though traced there by a scalpel, yet even as he stared at the shining cut, the skin healed over again, leaving the place where it had been slightly redder than before, but quite smooth. Harry looked round at Umbridge. She was watching him with her wide, toad-like mouth stretched into a smile. Yes? Nothing, said Harry quietly. He looked back at the parchment, placed the quill on it once more, wrote, I must not tell lies, and felt a searing pain on the back of his hand for a second time. Once again, the words had been cut into his skin. Once again, they healed over seconds later. And on it went. Again and again, Harry wrote the words on the parchment in what he soon became, what he soon came to realize was not ink, but his own blood. And again and again, the words were cut into the back of his hands, healed, and reappeared the next time he set quill to parchment. Darkness fell outside Umbridge's window. Harry did not ask when he would be allowed to stop. He did not even check his watch. He knew she was waiting him. He knew she was watching him for signs of weakness, and he was not going to show any, not even if he had to sit here all night cutting open his own hand with this quill. Come here, she said, after what seemed hours. He stood up. His hand was stinging painfully. When he looked down at it, he saw that the cut had healed, but the skin was red raw. And, she said. He extended it. She took it in her own. Harry repressed a shudder as she touched him with her thick, stubby fingers, on which she wore a number of ugly old rings. I don't seem to have made much of an impression yet, she said, smiling. Well, well, we'll just have to try again tomorrow evening, won't we? You may go. Harry left her office without a word. The school was quite deserted. It was surely past midnight. He walked slowly up the corridor, then, when he had turned the corner and was sure he would not hear him, broke into a run.
He had not had time to practice vanishing spells, had not written a single dream in his dream diary, and had not vanished, and had not finished the drawing of the bow truckle, nor had he written his essays. He skipped breakfast the next morning to scribble down a couple of made-up dreams for divination, their first lesson, and was surprised to find a disheveled Ron keeping him company. "'How come you didn't do it last night?' Harry asked, and Ron stared wildly around the dormitory room for inspiration. Ron, who had been fast asleep when Harry had gotten back to the dormitory, muttered something about doing all the stuff, bent low over his parchment and scrawled a few more words. That'll have to do, he said, slamming his diary shut. I've said I've dreamed of buying a few new pairs of shoes. She can't make anything weird out of that, can she? They hurried off toward the North Tower together. How was detention with Umbridge, anyway? What did she make you do? Harry hesitated for a fraction of the second, for a fraction of a second, then said, Lines. That's not too bad, then, huh? said Ron. Nope, said Harry. Hey, I forgot. Did she let you off for Friday? No, said Harry. Ron groaned sympathetically. Trishana, hey, how's it going? Welcome to the first live bit. I look forward to seeing you soon. And then we've got a chapter break. Oh, Nate, guess what? You're just in time for our first chapter break. That is a gift from uh, a Mr. Nate. That is a gift from a Mr. Nate. Um, I hope you've all enjoyed that. Uh, I'm not sure how often I'm going to be able to use it in the future because dang, does it sound pretty much exactly like the official music. Um, <laughs> so I guess we'll see if this video suddenly disappears. But uh, I do like it for, um, for the, the chapter breaks. We'll see. We'll see how it works. It was another bad day for Harry. He was one of the worst in Transfiguration, not having practiced vanishing spells at all. He had to give up lunch to complete the picture of the bow truckle, and meanwhile, Professors McGonagall, Grubbly Plank, and Sinistra gave them yet more homework, which he had no prospect of finishing that evening because of his second detention with Umbridge. To cap it all, Angelina Johnson tracked him down at dinner again, and, on learning that he would not be able to attend Friday's Keeper tryouts, told him she was not at all impressed by his attitude, and that she expects players to remain... and that she expects players who wish to remain on the team to put training before their other commitments. I'm in detention! Harry yelled at her as she stalked away. You think I'd rather be stuck in a room with that old toad or playing Quidditch? At least it's only lines, said Hermione consolingly, as Harry sank back down onto his bench and looked down at his steak and kidney pie, which he no longer fancied very much. It's not as if it's a really dreadful punishment. Harry opened his mouth, closed it again, and then nodded. 
He was not really sure why he was not telling Ron and Hermione exactly what was happening in Umbridge's room. He only knew that he did not want to see their looks of horror. That would make the whole deal seem worse, and therefore more difficult to face. He also felt dimly that this was between himself and Umbridge, a private battle of wills, and that he was not going to give her the satisfaction of hearing that he had complained about it. I can't believe how much homework we've got, said Ron miserably. Well, why didn't you do any of it last night? Hermione asked him. Where were you, anyway? I... I was... I, I fancied a walk, said Ron shiftily. Harry had the distinct impression that he was not the only one concealing things at the moment. The second detention was just as bad as the previous one. The skin on the back of Harry's hand became irritated more quickly now, and was soon red and inflamed. Harry thought it unlikely that it would keep healing as effectively for long. Soon, the cut would remain etched into his hand, and Umbridge would perhaps be satisfied. He let no gasp of pain escape him, however, and from the moment of entering the room to the moment of his dismissal, again past midnight, he said nothing but, Good evening, and good night. His homework situation, however, was now desperate, and when he returned to the Gryffindor common room, he did not, though exhausted, go to bed, but opened his books and began Snape's Moonstone essay. It was half past two by the time he had finished it. He knew he had done a poor job, but there was no help for it. Unless he had something to give in, he would be in detention with Snape next. He then dashed off answers to the questions Professor McGonagall had set them, cobbled together something on the proper handling of bow truckles for Professor Grubbly Plank, and staggered up to bed, where he fell fully clothed on top of the covers and fell asleep immediately. Thursday passed in a haze of tiredness. Ron seemed very sleepy too, though Harry could not see why he should be. Harry's third detention passed in the same way as the previous two, except that after two hours, the words I must not tell lies did not fade from the back of Harry's hand, but remained scratched there, oozing droplets of blood. The pause in the pointed quill's scratching made Professor Umbridge look up. Ah, she said softly, moving around her desk to examine his hand herself. Good. That ought to serve as a reminder to you, oughtn't it? You may leave for tonight. Do I still have to come back tomorrow? said Harry, picking up his school bag with his left hand rather than his smarting right one. Oh, yes, said Professor Umbridge, smiling as widely as before. Yes, I think we can etch the message a little deeper with another evening's work. Harry had never before considered the possibility that there might be another teacher in the world he hated more than Snape. But as he watched, walked back to the Gryffindor Tower, he had to admit he found a strong contender. She's evil, he thought, as he climbed a staircase to the seventh floor. She's an evil, twisted, mad old... Ron? He had reached the top of the stairs turned right and almost walked into Ron, who was lurking behind a statue of Lachlan the Lanky, clutching his broomstick. He gave a great leap of surprise when he saw Harry attempting to hide his new clean sweep eleven behind his back. Uh, when he saw Harry and attempted to hide his new clean sweep eleven behind his back. What are you doing? 
Uh, nothing. What are you doing? Harry frowned at him. Come on. You can tell me. What are you hiding here for? I'm... I'm hiding from Fred and George, if you must know, said Ron. They just went past with a bunch of first years. I bet they're testing stuff on them again. I mean, they can't do it in the coming room now, can they? Not with Hermione there. He was talking in a very fast, feverish way. But what have you got your broom for? You haven't been flying, have you? Harry asked. Uh, well, I, well, okay, okay, I'll tell you, but don't laugh, all right? Ron said defensively, turning redder with every second. I, I thought I'd try out for Gryffindor Keeper, now I've got a decent broom. There, go on, laugh. I'm not laughing, said Harry. Ron blinked. It's a brilliant idea. I think it'd be really cool if you got on the team. I've never seen you play Keeper. Are you good? <laughs> I'm, I'm not bad, said Ron, who looked immensely relieved at Harry's reaction. Charlie, Fred and George always made me play Keep for them, and they were training during the holidays. So you've been practicing tonight? Every evening since Tuesday. Just on my own, though. I've been trying to bewitch Quaffles to fly at me, but it wasn't easy and I don't know how much use it'll be. Ron looked nervous and anxious. Fred and, Fred and George are going to have to laugh themselves stupid when I turn up for tryouts. They haven't stopped taking the mickey out of me since I started as a prefect. I wish I was going to be there, said Harry bitterly as they set off together toward the common room. Yeah, so do I. Harry, what's that on the back of your hand? Harry, who had just been scratching his nose with his free right hand, tried to hide it, but had as much success as Ron with his clean sweep. It's just a cut. It's nothing. It's... But Ron grabbed Harry's forearm and pulled the back of Harry's hand up level with his eyes. There was a pause, during which he stared at the words carved into the skin. Then, looking sick, he released Harry. I thought you said she was just giving you lines. Harry hesitated, but after all, Ron had been honest with him, so he told Ron the truth about the hours he'd been spending in Umbridge's office. Ah, the old hag, Ron said in a revolted whisper as they came to a halt in front of the fat lady, who was dozing peacefully with her head against her frame. She's sick. Go to McGonagall, say something. No, said Harry at once. I'm not giving her the satisfaction of knowing that she got me. Got to you? You can't let her get away with this. I don't know how much power McGonagall's got over her, said Harry. Dumbledore then, tell Dumbledore. No, said Harry flatly. Why not? He's got enough on his mind, said Harry, but that was not the true reason. He was not going to go to Dumbledore for help when Dumbledore had not spoken to him since June. Well, I reckon you should... Ron began, but he was interrupted by the fat lady who had been watching them sleepily and now burst out, Are you going to give me the password or will I have to stay awake all night waiting for you to finish your conversation? Friday dawned sullen and sodden as the rest of the week. Though Harry automatically glanced toward the staff table when he entered the Great Hall, 
it was without any real hope of seeing Hagrid. But he turned his mind immediately to more pressing problems, such as the mountainous pile of homework he had to do, and the prospect of yet another detention with Umbridge. Two things sustained Harry that day. One was the thought that it was almost the weekend. The other was that, dreadful though his final detention with Umbridge was sure to be, he had a distant view of the Quidditch pitch from her window, and might, with luck, be able to see something of Ron's tryout. These were rather feeble rays of light, it was true, but Harry was grateful for anything that might lighten his present darkness. He had never had a worst first week of term at Hogwarts. At five o'clock that evening, Harry knocked on Professor Umbridge's office door for what he sincerely hoped would be the final time, and was told to enter. The blank parchment lay ready for him on the lace-covered table, the pointed black quill beside it. "'You know what to do, Mr. Potter,' said Umbridge, smiling sweetly at him. Harry picked up the quill and glanced through the window. If he just shifted his chair an inch or two to the right, on the pretext of shuffling himself closer to the table, he managed it. Now he had a distant view of the Gryffindor-Quidditch team soaring up and down the pitch, while half a dozen black figures stood at the foot of the three high goalposts, apparently waiting their turn to keep. It was impossible to tell which one was Ron at this distance. "'I must not tell lies,' Harry wrote. The cut on the back of his right hand opened and began to bleed afresh. I must not tell lies. The cut dug deeper, stinging and smarting. I must not tell lies. Blood trickled down his wrist. He chanced another glance out of the window. Whoever was defending the goalposts now was doing a very poor job indeed. Katie Bell scored twice in the few seconds Harry dared to watch. Hoping very much that the keeper wasn't Ron, he dropped his eyes back to the parchment shining with blood. I must not tell lies. I must not tell lies. He looked up whenever he thought he could risk it. When he could hear the scratching of Umbridge's quill or the opening of a desk drawer. The third person to try out was pretty good. The fourth was terrible. The fifth dodged a bludger exceptionally well, but then fumbled an easy save. The sky was darkening, and Harry doubted he would be able to see the sixth and seventh people at all. I must not tell lies. I must not tell lies. The parchment was now dotted with drops of blood from the back of his hand, which was searing with pain. When he next looked up, night had fallen and the Quidditch pitch was no longer visible. Let's see if you've gotten a message yet, shall we? said Umbridge's soft voice half an hour later. She moved toward him, stretching out her short, ringed fingers for his arm, and then as she took hold of him to examine the words now cut into his skin, pain seared, not across the back of his hand, but across the scar on his forehead. At the same time, he had a most peculiar sensation somewhere around his midriff. He wrenched his arm out of her grip and leapt to his feet, staring at her. She looked back at him her smile stretching her wide, slack mouth. Yes, it hurts, doesn't it? She said softly. He did not answer. 
His heart was thumping very hard and fast. Was she talking about his hand? Or did she know what had just happened to his forehead? Well, I think I have made my point, Mr. Potter. You may go. He caught up his school bag and left the room as quickly as he could. Stay calm, he told himself, as he sprinted up the stairs. Stay calm, it doesn't necessarily mean what you think it means. Mambulus Mimbletonia, he gasped at the fat lady, who swung forward once more. A roar of sound greeted him. Ron came running toward him, beaming all over his face and slopping butterbeer down the front of the goblet he was clutching. Arry, I did it! I'm in! I'm the keeper! Oh, wh wh what brilliant! said Harry, trying to smile naturally while his heart continued to race and his hand throbbed and bled. Have a butterbeer! Ron pressed the bottle on him. I can't believe it. Where, where's Amani gone? She's here said Fred, who was still swigging, who was also swigging butterbeer, and pointed to an armchair by the fire. Hermione was dozing in it, a drink tipping precariously in her hand. Well, she said she was pleased when I told her, said Ron, looking slightly put out. Let her sleep, said George hastily. It was a few moments before Harry noticed that several of the first years gathered around them bore unmistakable signs of recent nosebleeds. Come here, Ron. Let's see if Oliver's old robes fit you, called Katie Bell. We can take off his name and put yours on instead. As Ron moved away, Angelina came striding up to Harry. I'm sorry that I was a bit short with you earlier, Potter, she said abruptly. It's stressful, this managing lark, you know? I'm starting to think I was a bit hard on wood sometimes. She was watching Ron over the rim of her goblet with a slight frown on her face. Look, I know that he's your best mate, but he's not fabulous, she said bluntly. I think with a bit of training he'll be alright, though. He comes from a family of good Quidditch players. I'm banking on him to start turning out a bit more talent than he showed today, to be honest. Vicky Frobisher and Geoffrey Hooper both flew better this evening, but Hooper's a real whiner. He's always moaning about something or other. And Vicky's involved in all sorts of societies. She admitted herself that if training clashed with her charms club, she'd put charms first. Anyway, going to have a practice session at two o'clock tomorrow, so just make sure you're there this time. And do me a favour and help Ron as much as you can, okay? He nodded, and Angelina strolled back to Alicia Spinnet. Harry moved over to sit next to Hermione, who awoke with a jerk as he put down his bag. Oh, Harry, it's you. Oh, good about Ron, isn't it? She said blearily. I'm just so... so tired. I was up until one o'clock in the morning making more hats. They're disappearing like mad. And sure enough, now that he looked, Harry saw that there were woolly hats concealed all around the room where unwary elves might accidentally pick them up. Great, said Harry distractedly, as if... If somebody did not, if he did not tell somebody soon, he would burst. Listen, Hermione, I was just up in up in Umbridge's office, and she touched my arm. Hermione listened closely. When Harry had finished, she slowly said, "You're worried that you know who is controlling her, like she controlled 
Quarrel? Like he controlled Quarrel? Well, said Harry, dropping his voice, it's a possibility, isn't it? Have a good night, Liberty. I'll see you later. I suppose so, said Hermione, though she sounded unconvinced. But I don't think he can be possessing her the way that he possessed Quirrell. I mean, he's properly alive now, isn't he? He's got his own body. He wouldn't need to share someone else's. He could have her under the Imperius curse, though, I suppose. Harry watched Fred, George, and Lee Jordan juggling empty butterbeer bottles for a moment. And Hermione said, But last year your scar hurt when nobody was touching you, and didn't Dumbledore say that had to do with you-know-who feeling something at the time? I mean, maybe this hasn't got anything to do with Umbridge's at all. Maybe it's just a coincidence that it happened while you were with her. She's evil, said Harry flatly. Twisted. She's horrible, yes, but Harry, I think you ought to tell Dumbledore that your scar hurt. It was the second time in two days he had been advised to go see Dumbledore, and his answer to Hermione was just the same as his answer to Ron. I'm not bothering him with this. Just like you said, it's not a big deal. It's been hurting on and off all summer. It's just a bit worse tonight, that's all. Harry, I'm sure that Dumbledore would want to be bothered by this. Yeah, said Harry, before he could stop himself. That's the only part of me Dumbledore cares about, isn't it? My scar. Don't say that. It's not true. I think I'll write Sirius and tell him about it. See what he thinks. Harry, you can't put something like that in a letter, said Hermione, looking alarmed. Don't you remember? Moody told us to be careful what we put in writing. We can't just guarantee that owls aren't being intercepted anymore. All right, all right. I, I won't tell him then, said Harry irritably. He got to his feet. I'm going to bed. Tell Ron for me, will you? Oh, no, said Hermione, looking relieved. What? Oh. I'm going to bed. Tell Ron for me, will you? Oh, no, said Hermione, looking relieved. If you're going, that means I can go too, without being rude. I'm absolutely exhausted, and I want to make some more hats tomorrow. Listen, you can help me if you like. It's quite fun. I'm getting better. I can do patterns and bobbles and all sorts of new things now. Harry looked into her face, which was shining with glee, and tried to look as though he was vaguely tempted by this offer. Um, no. No, I don't think I will, thanks, he said. Uh, not tomorrow. I've got lots of homework to do. And he traipsed off to the boys' stairs, leaving her looking slightly disappointed. And that is the end of chapter 13. Back to the library. Now, I've been dropping some frames, and uh, it's already 7.30, and the next chapter is just as long as this one. Uh, actually, it's, it's longer by two pages, I think. So I don't know if I'm going to... I don't think I'm going to be able to do a second chapter tonight. Uh, I think I'm going to call it at one. I realize I had 14 in there. I apologize. Um, but uh, after switching my... Um, 
after switching my uh, PDFs over to a, a different document, uh, the page pages don't match up as well. They're easier to read, but the pages don't match up quite as well. So, um, whereas I would get about twenty pages out of a, a I would get about twenty pages per hour, um, this has been twenty-one pages, and it took me almost an hour and a half. So, I'm not gonna. Be, I'm definitely not gonna be able to go till nine tonight. So. Um, I think that's going to be, we're going to just have it be chapter 13 tonight. Got some interesting, interesting discussion going on. It looks like sort of positive versus negative reinforcement. Um, actually, no, I always get that wrong. Positive and negative reinforcement is not what I thought it was based on my context clues when I initially heard it. Um, but uh, it looks like sort of systems of like punishment and reward. I'm, I'm presuming, uh, grounded in the uh, umbrage detentions here. Fahim, hi, how's it going? Yeah, it is a, it's a long one. And, uh, you know, I'm, I've been considering for a while changing my streaming hours to earlier so that I can stream longer i don't know it seems like this has been working pretty well for people so i may just keep it as is but i don't know lynn says i'm okay with that it's 10 30 ready for bed good night lynn's great to see you thanks for coming in <laughs> so jeff has has uh been having it it looks like some dental issues as far as i can tell i haven't catch i haven't caught the whole conversation but then he says can't wait to stop gumming my pudding and chew some actual food <laughs> oh man jeff you make me laugh you make me laugh my man by the way i've got some uh i've got uh jeff just because i know you you're another nerd gamer uh, and for anyone else who's interested in um the the nerd games uh i.e dungeons and dragons any other sort of tabletop role-playing games or tabletop games in general um i have been working on a podcast you can find it on apple Podcasts. Uh, it's called only liches uh lich is spelled l-i-c-h so only liches um you can find that on apple Podcasts. but uh it is a podcast uh as many have been before it um to discuss things that happen on tabletop so we've talked about um board games we often talk about rpgs i would say most of our conversation sort of moves in that direction because we really enjoy them and then we have uh, a a fiasco um playthrough and we're planning to do more fiasco ideally um we had one one of our members go through a pretty significant life change recently so we will see sort of what the the fate of this is but we've got a ton of back episodes and uh, i am i'm making my slow crawl through to edit those uh podcast editing is much more labor intensive than i realized um if anyone can direct me toward good resources on that because i'm fairly new to it uh do let me know it'll be fantastic okay um by the way chat i appreciate y'all um Y'all have been doing an excellent job telling people uh, about this. I want to announce, I mean, it's not much of an announcement yet. Michaela, I'm getting to it right now. Will you give me a second? Michaela! Michaela, you need to chill, my, 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 my sis. You need to take a relaxation pill, all right? <laughs> so, uh... <laughs> 
I, s I swear, you only show up for the beans. You're, you've been <laughs> you've been silent for an hour and a half. It was like mm, beans, though. Beans, though. So, um, not not much of a full announcement yet, but um, I believe by this time next week we will have hit a thousand subscribers. Which is super cool. It means y'all have been doing an excellent job telling people about the stream. Again, if you if you know anyone who is interested in, um, I want to be doing more sort of nerd kind of content here. Let me. I'm gonna pop a link into chat uh, because that seems like the right thing to do here. So boom, there's a link in chat for the uh, for the podcast. Um, if you are looking to no 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 back up. I, I got much better at this for a while, and I'm not going to get bad at it again. Um, <laughs> can't get on these tangents. Um, so thank you all so much for, for telling everyone about this. If you know anyone who is interested in Harry Potter or who likes listening to, to podcasts or reading um, or who likes nerdy content like, you know, the the RPG-based stuff, most of my business is probably going to be about RPGs, um, but I'd like to do more of it in the future, um, so I, I'd like to post more of that content. Um, go ahead and let them know about the channel. You've been doing a great job. Uh, thank you so much. We're almost at a 1,000 subscribers. Things aren't going to change a whole lot at a 1,000. Um... <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, you're you're an interesting one tonight, aren't you? Checking out Lichcast. Fitting after my almost TPK. And then Jeff says, You only love me for my leg humes. Which I am just baffled by. Um, <laughs> uh, no, Jeff, you're more than your beans. Oh, I get it. Wow. I am I am never I'm never as slow as I am here on the stream. I am at my slowest here on the stream. But uh, thank you all so much. Uh, I, th I don't think things are going to change in a big way. Um, I don't know exactly what a super chat is. I've got a decent idea. Like I, I have a, a vague understanding of it, but I've, I don't watch a lot of YouTube streams, so I don't know a ton about it. But super chats will be an option. And then the one that I'm actually most excited about is I will be able to live stream from mobile. I don't know when or or exactly like like how I'm going to use that necessarily, but it does seem like fun. And also, uh, I believe I'm going to be able to post um, those sort of like Instagram style notifications, um, which I think will be a better way to let you guys know, hey, I'm about to be streaming than to post like my that little short seven second video. I can't actually post those things until I've reached a, a certain level. So. Um, yeah, everyone, continue to get the word out there. Again, I think by this time next week we could be at a thousand. Uh, you will trust me. The moment I know that I've hit a thousand, I will be posting one of those things to show you guys we did it. We did it. Assad, we are not going to be doing a second chapter tonight. Um, it's uh, if if I had started. Um, if I had not taken a break and I had not uh, done any discussion stuff. Um, I know I said two, and I apologize, but uh, I can't be going until nine o'clock tonight. Um, it would probably be like a quarter after nine because uh, the next chapter is even slightly longer than this one that we just did. My calculations have changed since I changed PDFs, but uh, I do have to do like about one per hour. Otherwise, we, we, uh, we just run too long into the night. Now, that said, anyone who is 
interested in continuing discussion after this because chat is lively. I love you guys. I'm really happy that you're all here. Um, just the people in my chat right now, Pablo, Assad, Jeff, Carrie, Michaela, although Michaela, Michaela needs to, to calm down, cool it on the beans. Um, uh, I really appreciate y'all for being here. Um, if you want to jump in on additional stuff happening later on, um, there's a fun place called Discord. It's a magical land of, uh, <laughs> of uh, all sorts of you know, fascinating uh, discussions. And it is where I enjoy um, having discussions after uh, the streams are over. Um, I think it's a great way to get to, to, to have these discussions because you can really adjust your notification settings on your end. So if you've got stuff that you don't want to be involved in talking about, then it's fine. You don't have to be there. You don't have to get notifications for it. And I think uh, extraneous notifications is one of the more in uh, more more annoying elements of uh, any social media. So go ahead and you can check in the video description. You'll see the Discord there. I'll post it once the stream is over. But uh, let's do beans, shall we? Before Michaela absolutely blows her own mind. <laughs> Jeff says we're all secretly Michaela. Um, Joseph, uh, next week will probably only be one chapter, either that or I'll have to start earlier, um, which, uh, I'll, I'll post about that midweek. Actually, you know what, let me know, mm. eh, I mean, the Discord's really the only way to talk about this unless I want, like, all the stuff. I read all the comments. I read all the comments everybody posts on all these videos. So, um, put it not in the, not in chat. Um, but put it in the comments uh, for this video, or I'm also going to be putting it up an announcement video this week, uh, just to ask sort of how we feel about about that, whether or not I'll be starting earlier. Um, and I'll, I mean, I'll have to check. Mm, I'll have to check how long the the chapter after that's going to be. We'll see. Got some got some work to do. But at this point, I, I'm going to call my lovely assistant. I'm going to call my lovely assistant. She's watching YouTube videos right now. Assad, I am very interested in what the Outer Worlds is. It looks like, um, it looks, it looks like it's close enough to Fallout that I'm a little worried that they're not going to be able to sort of make their own um, home in the community. But it does look really interesting. Uh, it's actually very similar to uh, a game called Stars Without Number, which is a tabletop RPG like Dungeons and Dragons. I have to get my lovely assistant's attention real quick. I call my lovely assistant. I called to you. I didn't know what else to do. Didn't know what else to do. Should I call you on your cell phone? But yeah, I think Outer Worlds looks like uh, a very cool game. Uh, like I said, it, it reminds me of Stars Without Number, which is a, a role-playing game like D&D, but in space. Okay. So. Um... I want to, uh, I want everyone to go ahead and you can thank my mod, Nate, for both this, oh boy, interesting, there we go, both for this, Alphaba, I think it was, I think it went pretty well, um, people aren't going to know who I'm talking about if I call you Alphaba, so as much fun as that would be, uh, Wicked Witch, 
uh, who everyone I think probably knows at this point if they've been following the live stuff, uh, is Ashling, not Ashlyn, but Ashling, um, is now Wicked Witch. Uh, so you've got you've got uh, Nathan to thank for this, for moderation, but also for a third interesting thing today, which is uh, some additional bean diversity. We I'm uh, this stream. Is, uh, is we're all about bean diversity here at Sidecar Stories, <laughs> um, but God, he got me something interesting. Also, you guys can get ready for more beans because the uh, the sort of taper off I'm doing for my diet uh, will allow me to eat more beans now. Um, not well, not quite yet, as of November one. So coming up, more beans. But uh, he got me this interesting package of Soda Pop Shop jelly beans. Now I don't think they're going to be, I don't think they're going to be terrible. Like I like I, th I think they're probably going to be designed to taste good as opposed to the the horrifying bean dosage that I'm I'm used to. But I think it will add some sort of diversity in. There are only so many times you can get a a uh, a, a, a sausage bean and still get surprised by it. So I think it will add to sort of the tension level because it's not exactly a 50-50 chance. It'll add to the tension level of, this is probably going to be pretty good, but they're going to sneak up on me. They're going to sneak up on me. So, Nate, thank you very much. Y'all can thank Nate for the, the additional intrigue of watch Sam try to sort out what flavor anything is, because Sam's palate is awful. Okay. I'm ready. I think we do, we're, we're going to continue on sort of our three bean pace until uh, November 1. Okay, so here's the first... Oh! I jumped it. Does it count? Does it still count? Yeah. Okay. Now. Michaela, were you involved in the beaning? You were busy when he gave them to me. You can thank Michaela as well. Okay. Now, I haven't been into it yet because I'm still anxious, but... Um... I'm just going to do it. The outside always tastes like... Okay. The outside always tastes like a little vanilla-y and pretty good. And so, having one... You can eat soda pop ones. That's fine. I don't want to eat the bad ones. You can, you, can you can have as many soda pop ones as you want. Well, leave some for me. <laughs> um, that one was a good one. They're always deceptive, though. I want to say it was maybe Crush. Was it orange soda? No. Was it Dr. Pepper? You really don't know what it was? I don't know. I mean, it, it tasted pretty citrusy to me. Yeah. Well, Dr. Pepper <laughs> is not citrusy. Wicked Witch says sausage beans. I said Crush, orange. I know. And then your next guess was Dr. Pepper, the citrus. Well, let's see. Is it 7-Up? Gotcha. There you go. That's a counter bean. <laughs> Sausage beans. Sausage beans. What? what was that? Sounds like a footstep in here. That was the spookiest. What is that? Do you hear that? Oh, it's... The ghost was Cassidy the whole time. <laughs> Freaking out. It sounds like somebody else is creeping in here. Okay, I'm ready. 
for the second beating. So far we're in good shape. And so far I continue my streak of not being able to identify stuff. Ooh, you'll be able to tell this right away. Yeah? Yep. That sounds like a bad sign. That one tastes pretty grapeish. Yep. Yep. Grape ape. Good old grape ape reference. There's an old schooler. Yeah, I. By the way, I, I never did get my shipment of just bad beans. I wanted to get a big package of just bad beans and a big package of just good beans that were sugar free because they don't make sugar free bad beans. Mix them together so I could do more beans. I would just go until I got at least, like I would set a minimum number of bad beans and just go until I got that number. I don't know, but I never did get them, so I might just have to keep getting packages of the uh, every flavor bidness. It was a keyed out bean. <laughs> it was a the purple one was a keyed out bean. No, the, green one. the green one, okay. Um, Assad says, "Am I the only one not hoping for a bad bean?" Assad, thank you. Thank you, Assad. I appreciate you. All right, I'm ready for the third bean. All right, last bean. That's another soda one. Yep. It's possible we should have addressed our ratios a bit better. I know, I had already dumped it all in. I know, you warned me. You did warn me. Oh. Okay, that one was, that one seemed like another 7-Up or Crush, Orange Crush. Okay. Bad beans. Brian Steele says, This has always been fun. Miller's? Because again, I don't remember whether it's Chris or Laura. Say again? Sorry. Just to give me? No, the, 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 the less bad ones I get early on right here means the, uh, the more bad ones there are later. <laughs> Did you enjoy that, my love? Nearly had this nick. My nearly headless love. Wonderful people. Thank you all so, so much for listening. Um, yeah, Chris and Lara, I hope you have a great night. Um, Michaela? Michaela says, I agree we need to pool all the beans and do bean roulette. How would that work? What would be like? What would be the best sort of format for that sort of thing to work? Is it roulette just like, how about, hmm, okay, here's an idea. Here's an idea. Such that it's close to actual roulette. Here's here's an idea. I take six sort of like shot glasses and I fill each of them up with like, with like, what? Put a bullet in one. Put a, put a, put a bullet in one. Put a, I'm going to put a bullet in one of the beans. No, okay, so six shot glasses. In each one of them, I'm I'm thinking like, six beans like it's like six to ten beans in each one six of them uh, excuse me five of the six shot glasses will be full of good beans and then one is going to be full of at least one of each of all bad beans so that that one is going to be 
because I mean the we're talking volume wise here too. It's gonna be rough. So maybe maybe we can start on that because I know who was it? I, I think Luke, one of the Lukes, uh, Mr. Stoltzfus wanted uh, wanted to see like a bunch of beans at once. I think we could do it where we do like maybe oh, I don't know how would it, what would be the best way to do it? Maybe like. <laughs> Carrie says it makes up for the double rotten egg week. Yeah, that one was tough. The f the first rotten egg, I can't remember exactly how it was, but one of the rotten egg ones was much worse than the other one. <laughs> Chris and Lara, I'll see you later. Have a great night. Um, yeah, Jeff and uh, Adam, I believe. Uh, I hope y'all have some really smooth uh, recovery. Recovering is no fun, but I'm glad we could uh, be here to talk it out, just to talk it out a little bit. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I think some, and and then like every week, I'll take a full shot without knowing what's in it, and uh, we go until I, because that reflects what roulette is, I think, a little bit more more cleanly. Either that, or we could go back and forth. But then it's the, I think I don't know. That's possible. 50-50? I don't think that that doesn't have enough tension to it. I mean, it, that the 50-50 odds of it, I think... We're not here for the tension. We're here for the suffering. I think the tension is important. Oh, yeah. Michaela was just saying mixing them together so you don't have a category to, to guess from but yeah that's exactly what we did i now every well i was gonna say every bean that i own but all the non-sugar free ones because those turned out to be really rough Cass, how did you describe them uh they taste like they've been sitting in a car for two years and then you put them in the freezer she says they taste like you've been they've been sitting in a car for two years and then you put them in a freezer and i think that's a pretty accurate one Okay, okay, hold up, Nate, Nate, hold up, Nate, Nate. Okay, okay, hold on, okay. So first of all, Assad says maybe find an online roulette and then work off that. Okay, so I know, like, I know <laughs> which one to go for. I don't, I don't have to, like, I don't have to have the, the shot classes be blind. Um, okay, interesting. All right, uh... And then Michaela says, but if you want to do bean shots, I'm not going to argue with you. Yeah, I do think it would be a decent one. And then Nate Koch says, maybe make groups, like eat dirt and earthworm together. And when you said groups, my first thought goes to uh, uh, potions class. Beans potions class. So we're going to cook up some real ridiculous nonsense. I'll probably take, I'll probably like in the Discord or something, take, uh, take recipes from y'all for uh bean recipes to cook up on stream and eat those that's an interesting idea cassidy you got one too she says to put all of one kind in a cup and take the whole thing Fifty-fifty, though. No. <laughs> I didn't mean fifty-fifty in a glass. I mean. I know. 
Wicked Witch says in a glass have rotten eggs, vom, and sausage, and that's exactly what I that's exactly what I mean. I want to do six of them, where where five of them are good and one of them is terrible. It's all, six, five of them are all good beans, and then the the final one is all the worst beans. I think uh, I think knowing that's coming up, literally all the worst beans, and then just do the do it all at once without knowing what's in the glass. I would have like I would cover it up so I, I can't tell, and then just pop it and go. So I'm not gonna know until it's already happening. Okay, we've got plans. We've got plans at this point. Now it is 7:56 where I'm at. I hope y'all have a fantastic week, and I plan to be. Wait a second. Next week. Is next week Halloween? Next Thursday is Halloween. Um, for everyone's sake, including my own, I am not planning to stream next week. Um, I don't want y'all to, to feel like you got to miss out on anything. For anyone who is not going to be here, I apologize. Um, or for, for anyone who, who wanted to be here, I do apologize. Um, I am going to be out and about, and uh, this thing remains... Uh, a hobby certainly and so uh i appreciate everyone um and uh everyone's patience but uh for the night of halloween i am not going to be streaming uh so we'll be back again in a couple of weeks uh, i do still plan to stream on tuesday so anyone who wants to get on on gatsby uh we've had some great great discussions there um some of my favorite discussions that we've had of anything really um i think uh if you are interested in, in either classic lit or if you just want to talk about uh, The Great Gatsby, get to know something like that a little bit better, uh, go ahead and jump in on Tuesdays. Um, once again, we're here doing this every Thursday and uh, we're going to be sort of coming up with a better release schedule for the podcast. So I hope y'all have an excellent week. Uh, I hope you all have just the spookiest, spookiest old time. Um, I love you wonderful people, and I hope that uh, you all do well, you recover well as we move on, let's move on into our next week. I hope you've enjoyed the beans, and thank you so much for, uh, for everything. Almost at a thousand subscribers. Ooh, bye-bye. <laughs> See ya.